Now let me tell you what we start today in the preaching series. We're going to have fun with this. It's, it's, it's about, you know, you know how I've been telling you, you need to ask God why you were made like you were. Because he didn't make you by mistake. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, very purposefully created in your mother's womb, knit together in your mother's womb. And all of your days, the Bible says, are ordained when there was not yet as one of them. You were made as a part of a plan. And most of us have no idea what that plan is. Well, part of how you know what the plan is, is to begin to note how you are gifted. How you are gifted. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. Now there are varying degrees to which the church is unaware of their own spiritual giftedness. It's, um, um, I think uh, it was uh, George Barna that did a general survey some years ago on the general church as to how aware the church is about spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts named in the Bible. Because we, 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 tend, to, we tend to think of everything as a spiritual gift. I have the gift of singing. You know, I have the gift of a sense of humor. Uh, I have the gift of my house. That's like a spiritual gift to me. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about those named in scripture that God specifically tailors into the lives of his people. And so basically he, he saw from the survey of the church, there's just a, a large spectrum. The church in general, if you've been part of a, a a church of an evangelical church, especially toward the charismatic end of the church, 99% of you have heard of spiritual gifts. If you've been a part of more of a mainline church, that drops down to about 74%. Been part of a Catholic church, got a lot of, of Catholics here, most of my family is Catholic. Uh, part of the Roman Catholic church, um, that, that drops down to like 54%. I, I've done a little bit of conversation with, with with our congregation over the years, uh, both our congregation online and our congregation here. And there's a, general, there's a general sense that there's a whole spectrum. One is either they've never really heard of the spiritual gift or regarded the spiritual gift, or there, there are some in the Reformed um, 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 tradition, of Reformed theology tradition, that are uh, called secessionists. That is, they believe the spiritual gift stopped ceased uh, in the first century, first century church. They were just there to kind of get the church going. Um, but even those folks would say, you know, I believe God still has the power to work specifically through our lives. There are people who, who say, yeah, I've heard of the spiritual gifts and I'm kind of curious, just never gone into it. There are people who, who have been trained, who have taken a spiritual gift test, uh, they say, I think I'm a, and fill in the blank. They got labels for themselves. You know, I, I think this is the spiritual gift I have, you know. But practically nobody has been trained on how to use their spiritual gifts, not only in the church, but nobody has been trained that, I, that I've talked to how to use those in the world, in the unbelieving world. You know what it says in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 7? I'm going to throw a, a loop for you here. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, But to each one, that would be y'all, each one who has received Christ. 
Now this, if, you're, if, you don't, if you don't have the spirit, you won't have a spiritual gift, all right? If you don't have Christ, you don't have the spiritual gift. But to each one who does have Christ, you have at least one spiritual gift. To each one is given. I'm gonna come back to the is given in just a minute. The manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Now let me, let me ask you this. What do you think the common good is? You think the common good is just the church good? No, because God didn't, doesn't just love the church, does he? The Bible says God so loved the world. So your spiritual gift ought to bless everybody, believer, non-believer, everybody. And so we need to learn how to apply the spiritual gifts that we have into the world. Because we're not just, you know, the military, I, I so admire the military because they, they fought and died for this country. But Christians are called to give their lives not only for the present country they live in, but for the eternal country that God has crafted for them. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16, but as it is, they, us, believers, desire a better country that is a heavenly one. And so when we're taught to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that's why we're given spiritual gifts. And so it's up to us to understand why we are given those gifts. It's to equip us for the work of ministry. It says that in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. But for the equipping of the saints, by the way, you're the saints. Some of you were raised in tradition go, I'm no saint. You know, you got to go through a whole process to be a saint. No, in the early church, that's how they described the Christians. If you were a Christian, you were one of the saints. When the saints go marching in, you were one of them, all right? For the equipping of the saints, that is us, for the work of service, Watch, service to who? Everybody, service to the whole world. We're servants, that's who we are. To the building up of the body of Christ, God will help us encourage one another in that service. Now, let's take the first step, shall we? How in the world do we find out what our spiritual gift is? Because, because it's, it's it's not an exact science, and I'm gonna to explain to you why this is. See, your spiritual gift isn't something you've just, that's been deposited in you. And your, and your job is to find out what it is. Your spiritual gift is something that you have a predisposition toward. That is the, that is the, the part of knitting you together in your mother's womb and can be triggered, remember when I talked a couple of weeks ago about epigenetics, that there are certain triggers that can cue the capacity we have to become active. And so you respond to that which is outside of you because it triggers that which is inside of you. That's two parts of three parts. Let me give you an example. Let's say, you know, a kid, you know, they're having a family, you're having a family gathering, you know, and, and, uh, and, or at a larger gathering, and this kid comes in with a glass of milk. You know, and he's looking all over the place, and he trips, and the milk spills. 
Now, let me just give you a few of the spiritual gifts and how they would respond to that, all right? These are biblically named spiritual gifts. First, exhortation. If you're an exhorter, your first inclination is to go to that kid and encourage him. You wanna go and you wanna say, look, someday, don't let this discourage you, someday you'll be the greatest milk carrier in all the world. God's given you this so that you can train to carry milk. It's gonna be one of your great, it's, these are coaches. Coaches are exhorters. Coaches see the capacity and the potential in every event, in every person, and they call it out. If you are a teacher, if, if, if your gift is teaching, the first inclination you have is to go to that child and say, now, let me, let me tell you a more effective way of carrying milk. You don't carry with one hand, you carry with two hands. You don't look around, you look where you're going. And statistics say, you'll have some sort of statistic. Because that's what teachers do. They like everything in order. They like the things to be like. And, 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 and statistics say that if you keep, you know, walking and looking where you're going, don't look at the milk. Just look where you're, you'll teach them a better way. Prophets. What if you're a prophet? A prophet won't get up to help at all. Here's what a prophet will do. A prophet will sit there and go, you know, it just shows you where our culture is going. Kids don't care about milk. When I was a kid, that was expensive stuff. We wouldn't have spilled a drop of milk, but this culture is go, I'm telling you, this is not good. And we've got to come back to the old values of where milk is important. What if you have the gift of mercy? Your first inclination is saying, that kid's embarrassed right now. I don't want that kid to feel bad. And you're gonna go to that kid and you're gonna say something like this. Honey, don't you feel bad. Said, I've spilled a hundred glasses of milk. All of us do. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. We all love you. You're a wonderful person. What if you have the gift of serving or helps? I, I, and I'm gonna revisit all these. You won't go to the kid, you'll go to the closet for a mop. Because you say, look, somebody gotta clean it up, you know? And, and, and this is something I can do. I'm not very good with my words, but I'll tell you what I can do. I can do the practical of what we need to do for everybody to get this thing cleaned up. You understand how this goes? And so, and so God has pre-wired all of us to respond in a different way. Now, when we get to all the spiritual gifts, let me show you just, these are the biblically named spiritual gifts. They come out of Romans chapter 12, verse six to eight. They come out of um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. They come out of Ephesians uh, chapter four. But, but just as we go through these, and the one that are, have the asterisks are the more spectacular gifts, we'll get to those. We'll get to all of those. But I want, you, I want you to see that each of you has at least one of these gifts. And they'll be expressed in a different way because God has not only given you specifically a gift, he's putting you, he put you in a circumstance and in relationships, watch this, that need those gifts, 
but that surround you with the other gifts that'll fit with your gifts. Because a gift, a spiritual gift, is not about our personal capacity. A spiritual gift is a way to connect and need other Christians to do a comprehensive job of improving the world and to connect with those who are not Christians who we can serve in a special way. Let me show you in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, uh, there's a, several verses that I want to, I just, I want to uh, read um, uh, that have this, have this sense. Let me, let me go, let's go back and revisit First uh, um, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All right? So your gift is given to you, not for you. Your gift is never about you. Right away, we are, you're, and, and by the way, your gift, there's a difference between talents and gifts. People get this mixed up all the time. You have a natural talent. Many of you have natural strengths. And they are capacities or abilities that you have in order to impact the world around you. All right, that's where those things, you know, I've got, I've got kind of a gift for singing. Uh, or I mean, I've got kind of a talent for singing. Uh, or, I, I, you know, I, I'm, um, I have a great deal of, of patience. Or I, I, I have um, these special abilities that I use because they're all, they've also been given to me by God. My talents and my strengths have also been given to me by God. But a gift, a spiritual gift, is not about something you have. It's about an attribute of God that lives in you. In other words, you don't use a gift. God uses you to give a gift to the world of himself. We'll, we'll, we'll go over this over and over again. This, it's a very intimate fact. But I, but I just want that to, to, to stick out in your mind. This is not the same thing as a talent or a strength. This is an, actually an attribute of God himself who lives in you. All right, let's go on. But to, each, but to one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually. There it is again. Just as he wills. Just as he wills. Go ahead to the next ones. Nope, next ones. There you go. And I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Now, if these are gifts of the Spirit, actually, they're, they're gifts of, of the whole triune God. If you read in, 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 in uh, um, the verses just above, it talks about, it keeps missing the word variety. Variety. Can I tell you this? God is a God of diversity. God is a God of variety. He fits things together. You only grow by differences. You don't grow by sameness. You love sameness. All of us need the affirmation of sameness, but that's not how we grow. 
And if God is interested in your spiritual growth, he will put you with people who are different than you are. And so therefore, it keeps going. There's a variety according to um, the spirit. There's a variety according to the Lord. There's a variety according to God, you know? And so you, you, you have these, the variety three times, but connected to three different persons of the Trinity. I want you to see that, but that's not, that's not what we're gonna focus on right now. I want you to notice that the spirit is a connector. That's what he does. The spirit makes connections. The spirit connects us with the son. The spirit connects us with the father. The spirit connects us with each other. And therefore, when it says in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So that there may be no division in the body, that is the church, but the members may have the same care for one another. So your gift isn't something that is meant for you to use alone. Your gift is meant for you to combine with others with different gifts in order to have a much larger impact. That's important. That's important. It's important because we're still here to impact the world. We're not here just to gather up in a holy huddle and just say religious cliches to one another. That's not why you're still here. If you want to do that, you can do it in heaven. And you will, you know, religious cliches notwithstanding, you'll worship. But the, but the point is, we're not here just so that we can gather up as Christians. We're here to have a huge impact on the world. God cares for the world. It says in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 18, for by him all things were created, both things in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. And he is also head of the body, the church. So what have we got here? The church is supposed to impact both heaven and earth. And that's a really important thing to, to understand. God will not separate his spiritual gifts just to work in a spiritual realm. Spiritual gifts, I, I'm reading a book right now called uh, The Wisdom of Crowds. My, my, uh, Becky heard about uh, this when we were listening to NPR. And, uh, and, and it's all about, it's not a religious book, it's all about how we need voices that are different than we are in order to solve problems that are bigger than we are. All of us have this capacity, this, I'm sorry, this tendency to gather with people who think and believe and look <laughs> like we do, all right? That's wonderful, as I said before, that gives you the affirmation you may need, but it doesn't get the problem solved. You know why? Because the problems of the, of the world today are so complex that the tendency of all of us, we all wanna be liked, we all wanna fit in, and so if you gather with only people like you are, who only believe like you do, you'll all just end up agreeing with one another. You will not have the variety of insight, perspective, and solution suggestions that you would have outside your group. 
And so the wisdom of the crowds simply says this. It's a, it's a scientific study of how much more effective we are taking into account the crowd instead of just the supposed expert. Uh, how, much, how much more accurate the crowd is than any panel of ex experts in any given situation. It's not to discount an expert. You can always learn from an expert. But you can't solve problems by experts or panels of experts, by professionals or panels of professionals. And so I want this, this to, 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 to be a part of our lesson. I, I got way off track there. Let me, let me bring us back. Let me bring us back. But we got time to wonder, because in some form or another, we're going to be talking about this in the next four years. So don't feel like you walked out and go, man, I wonder what my, I missed my, they didn't keep the slide up long enough that I could locate my, come on back. This is a slow process. And let me, and let me tell you, let me tell you why it's a, it's a slow process. It's a slow process because spiritual gifts are about intimacy with God. I told you I would come back to that is given verb. Each is given. And he distributed it just as he wills. Let me tell you in the original language, in original Greek language, it's very telling what that is. It is a present, indicative, passive, verb tense and mood and voice. The present tense is this. This is very important for you to understand. The present tense means this. God hasn't given it to you in the past. He doesn't give it to you in the future. He gives it to you now. He distributes it just as he wills. In other words, every spiritual gift operates contemporaneously. A spiritual gift isn't something you possess for your use. It is God in you at that moment acting. A spiritual gift is not even about the gift itself. It's about God. I heard, I heard a story a long time ago. This is a true story. This is when, when, when they used to have theaters, operation theaters, where master surgeons would would operate on a table and, and, and the younger doctors would, would gather around and they could watch the procedure so that they could learn from the master. And, and, and one time, and you always had junior, uh, I mean, um, other physicians aiding uh, the surgery, but one time they were operating on this woman who had a history, she was infertile, she had a history of uh, cysts. And so he wanted to, sh he wanted to show them how to, um, to um, remove a uterine cyst. And so, and so they, you know, they got the table ready, the, the, they prepped the patient, she went, she underwent uh, anesthesia, um, he skillfully, you know, uh, opened uh, everything, finally cut into the uterus, quickly closed it back up. Now, those who were watching would wait for the diagnosis. And so, the um, um, the assistant surgeon came over to the gallery and said, diagnosis, healthy pregnancy. They were so shocked. 
he described it in better terms. There's a person in there. Could I say the same thing about a spiritual gift? There's a person in there. That's what all of us need to understand. The Holy Spirit's a person. He doesn't give you a capacity. He is the ability. And he's operating right now. And it's not up to you. That's why the passive voice is used. We are being used by God. We don't use God. We're being used by God. See, that changes our prayers a little bit, doesn't it? We don't say, God, give me this capacity. We say, God, use me in whatever way you want to come into this person's life, to impact this person. Because the important one to be noticed is not me, it's you. And so it's very important to understand how spiritual gifts operate. Let me go back, uh, let me go on to the, to the, to the, um, to the last couple of, of things I got to say to you. In the beginning, when we talked about, brethren, I, I do not wish you to be unaware. Brothers and sisters, I do not wish you to be unaware. <clears throat> the, the Greek word for that is, is uh, unaware means, uh, in some of your versions, it says ignorant. And the Greek word for ignorant used is uh, agnoia. Now, there's such a thing as being, might just never heard. And there's such a thing as being, I, I really don't want to know about that. Because if I know about it, I'll have to take responsibility for it. And I, I, I got too much going on in my life right now. That's ignoia. Let me give you another verse. This is, this is Ephesians uh, chapter 4, I think verse 18, uh, where it says, Being darkened in their understanding excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance, agnoia, that is in them. Now watch, it explains what kind of ignorance that is. Because of the hardness of their heart. This isn't teaching I'm going to give you as in, yeah, I think I'll, I'll pay attention to that. But it's up to me whether or not, I, now it's up to you whether, you whether you access it, but this is the kind of knowledge that once you have it, you can't hide from it. I don't believe people will be judged for what they didn't know, but I think we will all be judged for what we wouldn't know, what we refused to know, because it was too much of a hassle to change our lives. What this teaching does is it calls us out of that kind of hardness of heart and gives us this wonderful, wonderful responsibility that our bodies would be temples of the living God and his capability would come through us and bless all of those around us. That's important. Now let me give you one more thing and then I'm going to send you out. Every time you try to do something for the Lord and you get close, you're gonna have a problem. 
You know, there's an old law in physics for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. There is also that law in the spirit realm. For every impact you have for God, we have an adversary who is going to come against us and distract us and try to tell us, and by the way, the adversary usually speaks to you with your voice. He usually speaks to you with your thoughts. He usually speaks to all of us in ways we deem, well, but, but we've got to get over the fact that we don't think we're, we're worthy to be used of God for absolutely something miraculous. I know many of us have been taught to live in shame. Stop that. That is not of God. Guilt is real and guilt is simply a turning point. And so you need to recognize guilt. But you don't dwell on guilt. The guilt is not you. The guilt is a point of repentance where you turn around and you were doing something wrong and you do something right. Guilt is of use, it is specific. Shame is of the devil and just makes you feel bad about yourself and, 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 and tries to get you to give up. We've got to get over that because that's not how God works. God doesn't work in shame. He created you for the potential you have. And we need to stop looking at our, well, I, I, I'll be of use to God when I, when I stop this sin. I'll be of use to God when, I, when I, I learn more from the Bible. I'll be of use to God when I, I, I'm not so easily accused by other people of being a religious hypocrite. Stop that. Let me tell you a story. I, I'll send you out. I keep telling you I'm going to send you out, and here you sit. One day this guy was walking down the street and somebody came up and asked him for money. Not an unusual circumstance for most of us these days. And the man who was asked looked at him and said, don't I know you from someplace? And the one who was asking for the money just looked at him and this deep sense of humiliation just washed over his face. And the panhandler said, oh, yes, we went to high school together. And the guy looked at me and he said, Sam? Because in high school, he remembered Sam as being one of these steady guys, these really good guys. You know, that you could always depend on a wonderful guy. And apparently, Sam had gone through some really difficult times. And he said, yes, I'm so ashamed. Well, the guy took out his checkbook. He wrote him a check for a thousand bucks because he had it. And he said, Sam, I want you to take this to a bank. I want you to get cashed. I want you to get cleaned up. I want you to get different clothes. I want you to meet me here tomorrow at five o'clock. And we're gonna start a different life for you because I know that's not who you are. You may have gone into, might have hit a bad patch here, but that's not who you are. We're gonna turn this thing around. So Sam leaves. 
Next day, the guy shows up looking for Sam. He's in the same spot, same time. Here comes Sam. Looks totally the same. Not one thing has changed. He looks at him and he says, what in the world happened? What did you spend that money on? And Sam said, I didn't spend it. I got it right here. And he pulls out the check. He said, what happened? He said, I started to go into a bank and I looked at my reflection in the window. And I started thinking, who's going to believe me that somebody would give me a check for $1,000? And so I just turned around. His old high school friend looked at him and said, Sam, do you understand that that check has nothing to do with you? It has to do with me. What makes that check valid is not how you look. It's my signature on that check. Do you understand? Do all of us understand? It's not how we look. It's God's signature on us. God has signed us. We're of more value than anybody would think, and especially of more value than we would think. And I want you to come back and learn just how much. Everybody stand up, and I really will get you out now. <laughs> I really will. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for making each one of us fearfully and wonderfully in our mother's wombs. We ask you to come and teach us in the weeks and months to come why you made us like you did, why we've been through what we have and what we have yet to do in order to manifest your life through us. Lord, if there's anybody listening to my voice right now and they've never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they would like to have you living in them, let me just let them just pray this prayer with me right now. Lord Jesus, I believe that when you died on the cross, you paid for my sins too. And you took away not only the punishment and power of those sins, but you gave me a whole new life. So I ask you to come and live in my heart right now and help me to walk in that new life. And for all of the rest of us, Lord, help us to begin to walk in the power and capacity that only comes with your giftedness, your plan, your fellowship, and our fellowship together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.